This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13th Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that, unlike Chief Brody, is proud of its appendix scar. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we kick off a month of sharking shenanigans by wading into the deep end of aquatic horror, and we start off by talking the one, the only, the classic... <gasps> Jaws. Jaws. Just when he thought it was safe to go into the podcast. And you don't have to be into bad hats to listen into our show. Uh, just simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your karate fence hole. And if you happen to get Wi-Fi out on your schooner, uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the book of face where, again, we have an events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and cyber shenanigans and luckily not underwater shenanigans. The aquatic shenanigans will stay through the RO means, my friend. <laughs> but uh, as this episode is releasing on Friday, September 4th, if you are here in the Kansas City area, Screenland, they've got the genre needs met again indoors outdoors virtually all over the place and if you happen to be in the kansas city area and are listening on friday we're going to be launching our latest friday night fright Mm -hmm. and i think we can sum it up with one simple kind of gesture we're pointing we're doing the sutherland stare and we're not even actually pointing at donald sutherland's bare ass to the sutherland Add it to the list of dances there, but no, uh, 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's such a good movie. And one I just recently watched for the first time, which should be scandalous to anyone out there because, yes, this was part of the uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, and I totally did an I've seen that through there. Shenanigans. So I don't know if that is like a um, quiz story level worthly's scandal potentially. Meh. But, but it, it didn't win. It didn't yeah. win, so... Yeah, it didn't taint the victory there. Yeah, exactly. There's no asterisks. No, but it is a fantastic film, and one that actually plays even more scary pre- uh, relevant today... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. ...than I'd like to admit. And if that's not your thing, well, then the following Friday, we might as well uh, let the cat out of the bag, because you know what? What Lola wants? Lola gets. Oh, am I not pretty enough? Another one that actually went into the Into the Mouth of Match Marth, March Madness tournament, and maybe that's the theme of our latest Friday Night Frights maybe, here. Maybe. Apparently. You know what? Can't do no worse, because uh, oh. it, it sure beats a drill to the head. Now, Sean Burns, The Loved Ones. Such a good movie, too. This will be my first time seeing it on the big screen. Oh, man. I, I, I seen it when it, during it came out, so I was... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. the second time. This is going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. And by the way, if you cannot attend on Friday night, we totally understand, but the following Monday, you actually will have a another uh, version, not another version, but a another screening. Good mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. And also earlier as well. Yeah. So if you can't make it out to seven o'clock and see us yakety smackety or you don't want to see us yakety smackety, you have the option at seven o'clock on Monday. And also uh, making their debuts here, we have Tenet. 
mm-hmm. finally, which for I'm interested. I'm not the biggest Christopher Nolan fanboy, which no. I know I don't know if that's scandalous by any means. I like his movies. Every movie that I've seen that he made, I enjoy. I'm not going to be like he's the end all be all, but I haven't seen a Christopher Nolan movie I haven't liked. You know what a movie of his that I've seen that with hmm. is uh, Inception. Oh no, you haven't seen Inception? Well, I saw bits and pieces of it at on a computer in an airport, which is so not you the haven't way to see. seen you haven't exactly, seen Inception. exactly yeah, and I really dig uh, the Prestige. I love the prestige. Um, I like a lot of the stuff that he did with Batman, but I could never get past the voice. The voice always took me out of everything. Yeah. But I, I think, but I appreciate his work. Uh, he's he's yes. a, he, take off the mask and it's fine. <laughs> he's a, he's a very divisive filmmaker. But come on out for that, and then also check out uh, the New Mutants, which I think is worth the wait. Uh, me too. I enjoyed it. If you're one of our Patreons, you can hear us talk of what we really think about it, but I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and another one that I really enjoyed is Bill the Ted, Face the Music, which... I enjoyed the shit out of that one. That was the feel-good film I needed. It was like just this big, warm hug. I, it really worked for me. Yeah. It was it was nice, it was genuine, and it was it was what I needed. And any time a chance gets to see Samara weaving on the big screen is always a good deal. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's indoors. Now, outdoors... They got you. This is your chance to enroll at Camp Screenland Mm -hmm. because both of these films are crazy campy. And one of them is by Joel Shoemaker, who sadly did pass away this year. Uh, 2020 is a dumpster fire as it continues to take all of those that we adored. But we can pay homage to Mr. Shoemaker with Batman Forever. I like Batman Forever. I saw this in the theater. (laughs) Me too. I've seen it since. Me too. But I can't tell you the last time I saw it. Me neither. I would say at least 15 years. I'm saying easily 15 to 20 myself. Yeah. And but I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I enjoyed I The last time I saw it, I know I enjoyed it. So I'm curious to see how it plays again. Of course, you have Jim Carrey just play, turning it to 11. Yeah. Which is appropriate. Now, then the following night, another thing, a, a different kind of camp. But we're going to try to make fetch happen, genius. Uh, we're we're going to be going back to high school with Mean Girls. Ah, that's a great movie. Regina George is a fantastic villain. Uh, and the film that it's been a while since I've seen, and I've actually never seen it on the big screen. Me neither. I completely missed out on its initial run, but I have since made up for it in multiple viewings at home. Yeah, I'm going to wait till we can get a uh, Bring It On screening. Oh, you got to wait till there's a little bit of a chill. Yeah, it's got to be cold. There's got to be there's got to be a reason why there's toros in the atmosphere. Well, again, those are some outdoor screenings at Screenland. But staying in the outdoors, not only do we have a date lockdown, we have some films to lock down. Kansas City Horror Club. What do we got? Genius. Boy, this is going to be a good time. October 17th. Drive in. We are going to have horror at the drive in again. It's going to be at the twin drive in in Independence. And we are showing. (laughs) <laughs> we are showing the first one will be Pumpkinhead. Very appropriate for the Halloween season. Uh-huh. We'll watch your back at Holly. And we also are going to show one of my personal favorites, Trick or Treat. Not the Sammy Kerr one. Okay, I was going to say, we're not going to be rocking out. We're going to be going anthology. We're going anthology. So we're going to have two Halloween Tales of Terror uh, Movie subject to change. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just in case. Just in case. Um, But it's going to be October 17th, and we're going to have vendors. We're going to be we're going to have the swap and shop before. So we're going to have spooky vendors for you to come and check and peruse your wares and all your spooky needs. And this is happening October 17th. 
Uh, I believe it's going to start about four o'clock with the movie starting at seven. It's always going to be a good time. It's going to be a double feature. Um, I'm not 100% sure on the ticket price, I'm, but I know that it's going to be per car load, not per person. So it's going to be affordable. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a blast. You can pick up some cool horror and genre wares and watch some great horror films uh-huh. in the luxury of your own automobile. You can't go wrong. In fact, I can. I will say as someone that has attended the past several ones and has honestly attended solo they've been some of my favorite experiences kicking up the little hatchback in my car with the little blanket the pillow it's good viewings yeah it's a lot of fun and i can't wait and this is these are two perfect halloween movies i mean two pumpkin themed halloween movies i mean and and the fact that like it's not only a chance something fun to do but like we need some we need some fun stuff. We need to. We have. We need stuff to look forward to. Yeah, and I think especially and you be safe and safe and comfortable in your own car, and so you can be a part of the swap and shop. But if you don't feel comfortable being that, you can Keep stay chilling. in your car mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. enjoy the movies. And they're two great movies. Oh yeah, I can't. I cannot wait for those. And they're ones that play great up on the outdoors, especially Pumpkinhead. Mm-hmm. And t- you know what? I, I'm kind of curious to see how uh, Pumpkinhead and Sam play together. Yeah, me too. It'll be it'll be good. Now, those are all the outdoor shenanigans. We do have some virtual stuff coming up as well. In fact, uh, the upcoming Saturday on September 12th, we have our latest Shutter Shoutout double feature, mm-hmm. and we just finalized the double feature we're going to be viewing. Uh, Genius, uh, give us a little taste of what we'll be biting. Into. Well, it's not going to suck, but it's going to suck. We're going to talk about a little bit of uh, modern vampires. And the two films that we're going to sink our teeth into. Ooh, I'm excited for this one. One is one is I've seen and one is going to be a first time watch for me. As me as well. And we're going to see The Shed. And we're going to which how did you describe it? I heard that it's Fright Night meets the Evil Dead. Cool. We so will see. Instead so of swallow your soul, we'll suck your blood, suck your blood, you know. Sleep by dawn. Sleep by dawn. <laughs> that totally works. We will see how that plays in yeah. taste. And then we're going to see Bliss. Again, I'm excited for this one. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And I, I, not a somber moment or tone here, but I saw the first time I saw it was at Screenland Tapcade. Pour one out, homies. Absolutely. And I did take a visit into the theater and just kind of soaked in the memories. Uh, so many movies, so many moments. Uh, thank you everyone at Screenland Tapcade for so many just wonderful moments in my my the, the moments here in the last five years of my life that I needed to keep me through to keep yeah. me looking forward to these things uh, but yeah no these both will play very interesting I believe and both within the last two years and that's what we wanted to focus on not to go too nostalgic here mm-hmm. but I cannot wait to see how they play now of course that is free uh, but if you would add like a, a customized pre-show trailers and introduction for the films all you need to do is become a member of the screenland film family yep head over to patreon.com slash screenland and of course that is the tip of the tier so many other good things that you can do and of course screenlandonline.com you can rent films as well and honestly because they are a local business here in the kansas city area you know hopefully if you are here in kansas city utilize them but if you're not again you can virtually virtually. so many different Mm -hmm. things that can we can reach out to now an extension of Screenland and staying virtual here. We love Halloween, obviously. And in the mm-hmm. month of October, we have the drive-in to look forward to. Yep. We have Nerdoween to look forward to. And we also now have Trick and Treats to look forward to, as presented by Panic Fest. 
It's going to be fantastic. Whatever Panic Fest puts out, you know it's going to be great. And what they're doing is they're putting together basically a little virtual festival that's going to run from October 31st to September 1st. And right now, if you head over to panicfilmfest.com slash tricks, you can actually submit feature-length films, shorts, and event ideas. Think live podcast and this and that. And I... I can't say for sure, but I know I think we're going to be helping out somehow. Yeah, we so might do a little something. something. Ju- just be warned if you hear or see us, our apologies in advance. <laughs> uh, but again, head on over to panicfilmfest.com slash tricks, and they will be updating everything and finalizing the lineup. I, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a blast. That's going to be the best way to kind of close out what is going to be, I believe, a packed month because, of course, uh, Screenland is putting together a Shocktober lineup. Yes. And I can't wait to find out what all the good stuff is going to be on the Shocktober lineup. Because you know they always put out good stuff. There's going to be, I guarantee Night of the Living Dead will be there. Yes. Of course, we are planning Nerdoween at this point. But there's a lot of familiar things. And again, if you're not comfortable going out, we totally understand. But if you are, Screenland has been doing it safely and smartly. And uh, it's been good to look forward to on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. But... The fact that like it's good stuff coming up with Shocktober and there's going to be a Nerdoween and all this other good stuff. I'm excited because Nerdoween is a fucking ball. And we always love the month of October because that's when the normies get into the conversation. Yeah, they, they come and play too. Yeah, well, speaking of coming out and playing, we, we've talked a little about Patreon. We've talked a little bit about the film family. Let's give a little shout out to our next... Hey, pallies! Our next little Patreon pally we're giving a shout out is someone that is not only a member of our film family, but a member of Screenland's film family Mm -hmm. and the movie Crypt as well. Nice. The trifecta of cool. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's that means ultimately someone that's, you know, um, helping them, supporting them. They're pretty cool. Yeah. And I happen to know firsthand, not only is this particular individual cool and a lot like a lot of the people that we've always seen showing up at the, the shows that you see them enough times at those particular screenings where you're like, hey, I saw that person at the hardware screening. You know, I saw them at that mayhem screening. Mm-hmm. I saw them at Victor Crowley. And you realize then, ah, we're in good we're in good spaces when they show up. Yeah. And this is a big old just shout out and a big old hug, a safe hug here to Lauren Daly, who is our latest uh, Patreon member, actually. And I also am a member of Screenland Patreon. And I also am a member of Movie Crypt Patreon. Awesome. So that now, now, not only is that cool, but now that you're fucking rad, right? Well, it's one of the things that I love with Movie Crypt is, as you know, uh, once a month they do Movie Crypt Live, which is a Sunday event. And not only do Joe and Adam, they come on live, they talk, they interact, but there's a whole conversation going on on the comment side. And it's like, what are you doing right now, dude? Uh, I'm getting a burrito and <laughs> getting watching, getting ready for the Movie Crypt. What are you doing? Waking up, and so <laughs> listen. There's a certain level of preparation that goes into a movie because you got your burrito and everything, man. It only happens once a month, you know. There, there's something again, something to look forward to. Uh, but the whole conversation that goes on in the chat is its whole other world in and of itself, and it's actually developed its own language and vernacular. And a big reason of that is because of Lauren, because she kills it in the comments. She is so funny; it is ridiculous. Like everything out is just, it just it's. Wonderful. It adds such a level of awesomeness, actually, to everything. And I know we we um, 
we used to see her a lot at the conventions, uh, a lot of the screenings and everything. So, of course, obviously with everyone right now, again, we don't get to see everyone, but it's good to see her being participating in that because it's like, oh, no, there's Lauren. Yeah. And it's just nice. And again, I'm a, I'm kind of a quiet person in the wild. Uh, Genius, of course, is not. But I know Lauren is also kind of one of my people, I think, just a little bit. And I appreciate that. And I respect that. So, Lauren, again, thank you so much for, you know, helping out and being part of our film family. It is greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. Lauren, you're fucking rad. And to borrow another phrase from uh, the movie Crypt, if you would like us to wax your car a little as well, uh, you can become a member of our film family by heading over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead, where we again have everything from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. And speaking of another time, another place, I, <laughs> I realize that technically we're a whole month late if we really wanted to properly talk aquatic horror and sharks. Yeah. Because Shark Week, I know, technically happens in the month of Um, August. Right. Now, I had it set in stone for the most part. We've actually got, for the most part, the remainder of the year planned out, Mm -hmm. uh, Patreon and the main feed. Yeah. And I initially was like, well, here in the month of August, man, it's all about back to school because traditionally, (laughs) that's when a lot of people usually go back. Mm Mm-hmm. Next year, if we have, again, we'll have uh, Shark Month, the return in August, and we'll have back to school in September. Absolutely, because if anything, 2020 has been anything but standard and normal. Yeah. So we we went ahead and stuck to our guns, and obviously we went back to school in the month of August. Hey! But here in the month of September... We are not going in the water. Fuck all that noise. Well, that's probably the best place to start, is if anyone has been listening... Now, we've got... 240 some odd plus episodes here if you've listened to at least a handful there's consistencies and one of those consistencies (laughs) is the way genius lives his life now i don't know if you necessarily have a credo that you live by but i know there are some guidelines and hey you know what to this day you were here you were talking so they have done me well so far i mean they're not steering me wrong so a number of things that you have learned in films put them if you're going to tell a first-time listener and they're Mm going to come to like well genius if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make it in the world, what should I avoid? Okay, first of all, you need to avoid sewer grates at all cost. Okay, sewer grates um, and anything like that because that's where the clowns and the chuds and the tentacles are. That will drag you right under. That's a plethora of things that mm-hmm. could come out of the grates. Um, you don't go camping out in the woods because that's where the maniacs are at. That's where all the killers are at, or the animals, or the aliens. Right. So you, you forget about the aliens. The aliens are the Spanish Inquisition of right. the, the woodland. You terror. never expect Quasar fourteen, right? So that's you don't go out there. Um, you stay away from the three H's: hobos, hippies, and hitchhikers. Okay, just watch out for them. And you don't go into the water. You don't go into the water. Then the water, the minute you step in the water, whether it be pond, ocean, all except swimming pools, there's ex- there's exceptions, all except swimming pools. Even so though, anything that's kind of an open body? Right. Anywhere nature gets in, right? Then you are, as soon as you step one toe into that, you are immediately knocked down a couple of pegs on the food chain. Fuck all that noise. I like being at the top. And I don't want something. Because here's the thing. Okay, let's let's talk broad strokes with the deep sea. <laughs> uh, no, uh, broad that, strokes, no, ah, yep. Sorry. <laughs> let's paddle out to this one. No. So in the sea, we are trying to explore space. We've only like touched what ten percent of that, what the fucking ocean 
has Doffer. Oh. We have no clue what's going on in there. So there's things in the ocean that range anywhere from a thing that can swallow you whole and not think nothing of it to a tiny thing that can swim up your pee hole and fuck you up from the inside. And like shit in, like in the beach house, okay? Anything. Anything in between. And then that shit can still happen in rivers and lakes. Oh, no, but genius. What about ponds? Ponds, nothing bad can happen in ponds. They won't swim up your pee hole in ponds. False. Fucking cabin fever. Okay, there was bacteria and fucking ponds and lakes and shit like that. Plus uh, piranha. Uh, we don't know about underground things. <laughs> exactly. So who knows what parasites, amoebas, anything that can swim up your pee. No. Now I'll go into pools for two reasons. One, because if there's an alligator or piranha attack to come out of the pool, by chance I'll be able to escape. I can get on land quick enough because I'm there. Two, right, it's chlorinated. So if anything microbial is going to swim up your pee hole, it's already going to be dead. Okay, so that you, you put a lot of faith in bleach, my friend. I don't know. I think that's apparently a, if it'll kill Corona, if you shoot it up your butthole, it'll, oh cr- God. it'll kill. We don't endorse anything along those lines. <laughs> it'll kill all sorts of shit. So <laughs> and then and then like pool is dangerous in itself because i don't swim and i'm an anxious swimmer i should have like maybe prefaced every prefaced everything with this do you do the doggy paddle? i can't even float dude fucking like if my head and my feet go underwater at the same time i'm i'm literally an anxious swimmer i freak out it's like a trigger i flip out and i flail it's me being in public i understand <laughs> but violently you know violent yeah i've never seen you flail at people <laughs> i'll flail at people and so like so I'm okay. At least I can I can feel my feet on a pool. I can run out if I need be. Semblance of control. Right, exactly. But there's no control. And they're like, oh, genius, come on. We're going to be on a boat. It's perfectly safe on a boat. If anything, you're not, you know, because you're even more fucked. And, and we've seen big boats go down. We've seen little, little boats go down. And even if you survive the boat encounter and you wind up in the ocean, you might not survive then. And even if you survive then, you're going to wind up on a deserted island and you're Fucked, fucked, fucked. You, I now I want to. Oh, you've never gone to the ocean. I've gone to the ocean. I think the ocean is absolutely beautiful, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time in there. I've gone, I've gone all the way up to my knees into the ocean. And let me ask you this: Do you go on the level that the further of the out in the ocean you go, the further down the food chain you absolutely, go as well? Okay. Absolutely. Well, and then as soon as I felt like the undertow trying to like, oh shit, nope, nope, nope. That's Poseidon saying, oh, dinner time, right? So, Join us. Yeah, gobble gobble, gobble gobble. And so like, no, no, I won't. And especially after Jaws, especially after Jaws. And I think like that might have been one of the triggers, you know? Because I mean, like one, I don't know how to swim again. And well, is it safe to say that you respect the ocean and and open bodies fear, of water? Fear, 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 fear. That's what that is. It's respect and fear. You know, you don't fuck with me. I don't fuck with you. Are they? Aren't they one and the same sometimes? <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't know if that's right or wrong potentially. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's gorgeous. And like, if you if you love going in the ocean, cool. But you are not going to get me out on there. Well, and it's funny because I am so glad that right before I met you. And you started, you know, hanging out with you and listening to the way and watching actually the way you live your life, your life. I will not walk on a grate. No, no. You've been (laughs) consistent. You've been totally consistent. But not a year beforehand, I went on a cruise. So, yeah, exactly. Right there. You're like, nope, nope. (laughs) Not only on that cruise did we do some crazy excursions, which included um, snorkeling in the open water in the ocean. 
but also included spelunking in a cave. Did you not see the descent? Did you not see the descent? Yes, I did beforehand. <laughs> but again, I was in that mode of not living by genius's rules because if I did, I wouldn't be in there. No, I was neck deep in water because we had to, we had to wear life vests. You could not touch any of the exposed rock because it was like hundred millions of years old. We had to float through an area and there was a point that came where it was just, just pitch dark. We all turned our lights off and it was so unsettling. Not once did the descent go through my mind. Now, had I met you at that point, again, I would not have set foot on a, on a cruise ship potentially. I mean, there were so many things where I was just, again, snorkeling in the middle of the ocean. I'm looking down, but I'm looking, I'm looking out for those things potentially because, of course, in the back of my mind, in the, and I guarantee when you were just like knee deep in the ocean, in the back of your mind, you hear, you hear it. Da, 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 it, it was in the back of my mind as well, but it didn't keep me out of the water, strangely enough. Now, the first time I ever set foot in the ocean, I, like you, went about waist deep, did a little boogie boarding, and that was it. I was, I was young enough, I think, to, re- to respect and fear. <laughs> yeah. Mine went more to respecting it. Um, but I've, uh, ever since then, now, granted, again, now that I've known you five plus years, I've seen what happens, how you live your life. Ah! might be a little influence potentially <laughs> you want to uh, go on a cruise no nah, i might have to think twice about that <laughs> especially now <laughs> well if i ever have to make the, the the yay and the nay column your face will be on the nay <laughs> it's it's very rare when i am the one like saying no to shenanigans exactly because you know like like oh man they're gonna be a party cruise what yeah we're gonna recreate rabid and there's going to be like a whole room full of like candy. Like it's going to be great. Turns out you have to be careful when you book a cruise on the Cronenberg cruise ship. <laughs> Come to Cronenberg cruise. Long live the new sales. <laughs> but, <laughs> but. Well, again, this is a. Round- I still wouldn't go. Again, this is a long roundabout way of saying that the ocean is a scare, initially just kind of a scary place. Mm-hmm. It's where we do not belong. Yeah. And there's a reason why we have not been able to explore everything. And what creeps beyond that. And that's the stuff that's real. That's not without, like in The Descent, that is one of the scariest films on the planet before the monsters show up. Mm-hmm. The claustrophobia that that induces is incredible. And again, all of you have all these crazy elements in these films, and then you inject the uh, the monster, the, the other outwardly horror element, and it's like, oh my God. Then it's crazier. You can't win. Yeah. You can't win. That's the thing. Don't mess with Mother Nature. No, you will lose every time. If, if every any, time. If anything, if, if you know nature has taught us anything, if history has taught us anything, we really need to find a balance mm-hmm. and just bow to the majesty that is. Sometimes we need to close the beaches for our own good. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, now, <laughs> sharks. Of course, ever since I saw this film the first time, which we'll get to our first time viewing experiences, but I've always thought of them as scary. Mm-hmm. The fear and respect angle, I think. But again, the older I get, the more I recognize kind of the beauty and the majesty of them. Oh, sharks are fantastic. Incredible creatures. I am not afraid of sharks at all for because. one reason, because I'm not going to go anywhere fucking near them. You won't no, be no the I won't. I will not be a statistic. You know, I will not. I'm not going to go, though. I have no fear for sharks at all. And like if they're in cages, like I'll go to those underwater, like where there is a tunnel and shit and you can see. But I know that I'm not underwater, underwater. It's not Jaws 3D, you know? It's the Omaha Zoo. It's a big difference. 
friends. We're almost half an hour in. I might as well tell my Jaws 3D anecdote. Uh, the last time I was at Disney World, they actually had a uh, restaurant that is exactly like Jaws 3, where you are surrounded under... And yes. Did they not learn anything? Well, I'm taking pictures and I'm laughing because I'm doing the same thing. I, I think this was the same... This was a different vacation. This is, but I didn't know I you. Ru- I ruined your vacations. <laughs> you would have been that guy that was like, "No, I'm not going in there." Are you kidding uh, me? Uh, like, uh. I'm not going to be some damn shark's mother, <laughs> right? That's to say, even the Jaws franchise has influenced in so many different ways. But yes, sharks have never been scary. I think they're very cool. I respect them a lot. I think they are majestic and they are apex predators for a reason. And it's fascinating how they haven't really changed. In millions of years. A perfect specimen, potentially. You know what I say? Once they reach max level, there's no reason to get any higher. When you plateau and you're just like, as he says, a perfect machine. Engine, it's just... All swim, eats, and makes makes little little baby sharks. The modern of uh, natural engineering. Um, So if you take the naturally horrific element that is the ocean and that are sharks... Um, then you add this young upstart filmmaker by the name of Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I, it's kind of incredible when you look at his career. And he's a guy, actually, surprisingly, we really don't talk a lot about on this show. Uh, but straight, because he's genre is all get out. He is 100% genre. He may be like family friendly, like under the guise of family friendly. But if you look at what he's done and some of the things, he is dark genre oh he's horror all the way uh go back to the the tv movie duel Mm -hmm. which is a really good movie and it's been probably i watched actually down here not too long ago it still holds up it's really good um but then of course jaws but if you go into like um raiders of the lost ark the finale of that film oh the melting scene and that's that's traumatizing for a lot of people absolutely that's a lot of people's large marge kind of moments which is uh go to jurassic park yeah that's scary as shit that's a big monster movie a monster movie through and through war War of the the worlds war of the worlds is terrifying war of the worlds is absolutely terrifying and i mention all that because people always with steven spielberg a lot of us always think et and family friendly but like et's sci-fi oh and well even like schindler's list you know, he is, he's done, He's his breadth of filmmaking is incredible. Uh, he's touched all different genres. He is revered as a filmmaker, um, as just the inspiration for many. Uh, but what's really funny is you forget about how much of a fan, fanboy he really is as someone that also grew up loving movies. And you can see it in the films that he puts out. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of love and thought that goes into all of these movies. And, oh my goodness, when it all comes together in 1975, and this is a film that is now 45 years old, that is older than I am, by a year, I should say, um, but it is a film that is 45 years old that is still influencing filmmakers, the way we market films. Mm -hmm. It is changing the swimming habits of people today. Yeah. And we always talk about, going back to Into the Mouth of March Madness, but these little legacy clips, when you hit like 10 years, 20 years, we're talking 45 years of a film that is many things to many people. So let's start. Genius, do you remember your first initial interaction with Dadunt Jaws? Know, I don't, but I don't remember my first time. I remember it always being there. Because it always was. I mean, it was already, as soon as it hit, it was still in the lexicon. I remember, I remember, I don't remember when I first saw it, but I remember seeing it and loving it. I had the um, Jaws game. 
that I used as a bath toy because oh. it was the one that was like it, it was almost like um, kind of like because it was a big old shark, big right? old shark, and you put your hand and blindly felt around and see, and you pull out like a tin can or and a, a license plate, basically like in the movie. And I used that as a bath toy when I was little. I mean, there's a picture of me with a big giant fucking shark. And it's always been around. I don't remember the first time I seen it, but I've always remembered seeing it. And I've always remembered fondly. I remember seeing it as a teenager and loving it. And I remember seeing it as like a 20-something and loving it. And I remember seeing it like in 30-something and loving it. You know? Did you, what about last night when you watched it? It was fucking great. I fucking <laughs> loved it. I watched it again last night. And because I'm watching... And it's not like I'm watching because like, oh, i never seen this movie. I better change it because I'm talking about it. But I, it's like been like... You want to be fresh? Yeah, I like to I, I like to be fresh. You, you don't want to do it. I've seen that. <laughs> I like to be fresh. I like to be fresh. Uh, ain't nobody dope as me. And so... <laughs> And so I was like, this is a goddamn masterpiece. I mean, everything about this movie works. Yeah. The scenery, the, the the score, the the acting, the pathos, the everything. Except there's two beats that So so we're gonna put aside here. It's normally uh I know you say you had beef with it, but in this case, can it be like sushi? This is like yeah, this is like way slight. This is bacon bits, not even real beef. Not a real beef, but I know it's going to be a hot take. Like, I didn't realize how long this movie was. It doesn't feel long. And I was like, well, maybe they could cut five minutes out of it. And I know exactly what five minutes to cut. I don't know why, but the dinner scene with him and the kid. And I know everybody loves that scene. And it's like heartwarming and stuff. That That's the thing that the normies love. Normies love it. Horror fans love it. Genre fans love it. So that I don't like it. I just don't feel like it's necessary. We already know that the, the we already have the established family dynamic that a, a, a child in danger is going to be a child in danger. That that was the moment that Chief Brody needed because otherwise he was going to just throw himself out in the ocean if he didn't have that moment and that I connection. I know, I know, and I feel bad for saying this. You I, are an evil monster I know, genius. I know. I even felt bad when I wrote it down. I even wrote it down, and I felt bad. Like man, I shouldn't say this, but I, you know what? I said worse things. So like. No, it's not a bad moment, but I just feel like it just kind of like stopped the movie at a halt for like two minutes and then it just went back up into it because then in here comes Hooper and they have the, the drunken, like when he starts pouring the glass. You need to let that breathe. Yeah. Okay. Gulp, 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 right? And so like it was that. It was just that little moment in between that was like, eh, okay, if you needed to cut something, that could be gone. And then another beef, again, minor, 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 minor. Um, there's a particular scene in, in when they shoot him, they shoot Jaws and he's got the first barrel and the first barrel, they're running after him and it starts coming back and then it's dreadful, ominous, but then like, this is weird jauntiness in it that I was like, that jauntiness almost kind of took me out of the movie, but I'm not, but it almost did. So those are the only two times. And I was like, I never noticed those two things before, but they just kind of like, well, I noticed the kid thing before. The kid yeah. thing kind of, I have always been like, eh, it's cool, but. Uh. Well, that's what's kind of cool, though, is the fact that this is a film you've revisited many times, but you're still finding new things. Speaking of, that remind me, uh, did you see The Shooting Star? What is The Shooting Star? There was a shooting star. There was this scene. There's a scene where they're. Oh, yes. Out on the boat. Yes. On the boat. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. never caught that shooting star yeah. before. And it's, I was like. It's nice. I was like, ah. Well, for me, kind of like you, this is a film that's always been there. Um, and I've always loved it. And but also it's a film that I think is the ultimate. I've seen that because 
I guarantee members of your family that have never watched a horror film, they've seen they've seen Jaws. The same people that don't like horror that have never seen Jaws, they know about Jaws. Yeah. The music, like you mentioned, the cinematography, uh, everything that's involved. And I cannot believe that you're actually uh, questioning the editing skills of Verna Fields, my friend. No, I know. She I, won an Oscar for this. I'm and just saying, I'm just, I'm just, me, Genius McGee, was taken out of the movie for a little bit. And then I was I was brought back in. I'm not saying it. I know. I feel like a monster. I almost feel like like cut it out, take it out, redo Shame. it. I know. Shame. I know. But it just kind of took me out. It just kind of like you're know, like okay. No, no, no. It's, we're we're honest here. It's cu- I was like it's cute, but like we just had like build up, build up, action, fun, fun, scary, bum, bum, ba, dum, bum, and then cutesy family. Scary, fun, fun, scary, scary, fun, 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 and I'm like, okay. This movie is a lot. There's okay. a lot of there's a lot crammed in there, but I do minor, re- minor, minor beef. That's okay. The beef has been squashed. Yes. Let us chew it, spit it out. We are good to go. Put it in the chum bucket. Yeah. Out to see with you. Now, uh, I do remember my folks watching this all the time. Just one of those that was constant rotation. Either they were watching it, or this one would show up on HBO a lot. But I also distinctly remember that VHS cover art where you, the shark underneath with the swimmer, and that's the stuff that nightmares are made of mm-hmm. from the cover art itself. And that tells you the legacy of a film. If it has good cover art, yeah. we're solid. And that always that image is what I know probably kept you out of the ocean. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Probably kept a lot of people from even renting the movie. Well, the fact that it's can really happen. I mean, aside from like it's, a small town being attacked by yeah. a great white out of nowhere. I mean, it, shark there's attacks precedence. happen. Yes. There's precedence. Yeah, no. And that's the thing that, uh, as mentioned, we've had the opportunity to um, host this film in a variety of capacities, either together, individually. And I know one of the things that we always throw out very quickly is that this is a horror film through and through. Absolutely. A PG horror. So consider this another time. Another place. Warning for 1975, <laughs> because this is a hard PG for 1975. You get a lot of kills. There's some very graphic kills in there. Nudity on the get-go. Yeah. Like, first fucking five minutes. <laughs> Again, and that intro is in and of itself one of the all-time classics. Um but no, I. This is just one of those things. Like Spielberg has always been very sneaky that way, but he's always been able to do that. Um, now, um, two notes make the movie. John Williams again responsible for so much of this film because I I think much like with uh, John Carpenter and Halloween, if you take that music away, yeah, Halloween, it's still good, but it's not as good. As good. If you take this this music away and you de- got something else, I don't. It's still effective. Because there was a part in it where I even I wrote down, I was like, this is fucking tense and scary. Like, they're getting ready for it. They haven't even figured out how big the shark is yet. And he's fishing, and he's got that big fishing pole. And then it twitches, and it's silent. And then you're like, you're interested. And then it twitches again. And, then, and you see him slowly start prepping. And you're like, holy shit. And then the music... And you're like, holy shit, this is getting tense. And he's like, get ready. And you don't know what's going on. All you see is a little twitch and just that. Oh, so ominous. So ominous. And I should also say this. Listen, this is a film that has been studied, that dissertations have been written about, books, podcasts, articles, you, you name it. 
people have devoted a lot of time and research and study to it because it's Ruth. I mean, look, we we were gushing off mic for a lot, and like I had to stay, shut us down because like save it for the show, right? But it's just it's kind of incredible that that this film is just responsible for so many different things Mm -hmm. it's it's absolutely incredible just like you said normies they couldn't even seen the movie but if they heard they're gonna know exactly if you throw around jaws and they're like okay they're not gonna think the bond villain we are yeah but we're first gonna think about the shark yeah but that's that's a long way again of saying listen the only kind of insight we're gonna bring are our personal experiences Mm -hmm. when it comes to that and also i want to give a we don't really i don't think we've ever devoted an episode to anyone before uh, but we're going to break that uh, precedent here. And this one, this episode totally goes out to Amber Solomon. I know no bigger Jaws fan, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not having her on. But yeah, Amber, we're going to probably forget some things. You need to, you know, te- tweet us some insights, oh. and especially at Film Club. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But like I, like you said, when we hosted either together, there was times where we come in with a mask <laughs> and we terrorize the crowd, get all 4D. You got to get them into it. You shoot get water in. guns in the air to make it wet poppers in the scary places and that was now that was the interactive movie party experience yeah now, and i will say yeah we don't do that at every hosting we don't terrorize the audience and not shit. at all in fact i want to actually relay the last time i saw it because you saw it at home um i happened to see it at screenland uh during the fourth of july weekend oh, shit. which again that's, okay speak before you get into that would you watch this movie floating out on a barge like people have done before? Because that is a hard, hard, hard no. Because you know what they do as well. They have scuba divers that will occasionally poke you. Oh, fuck all that noise. Fuck all that. Somebody's going to get hit. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, here's the thing. If you would have asked me many moons ago, absolutely I would have. After Again, now, after having knowing you and seeing how the lifestyle is applied and how it works out, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. No, you know what? I would, but it would be in the back of my mind that, you know what? Oh, wouldn't it be ironic if this is the time that it would be a the most nonviolent thing and somehow like a bass would like flip up, knock me out and over in and then I'd drown somehow. Like I couldn't save you. Ex- well, you wouldn't be there. <laughs> no, so yeah, I would, but it would be in the back of my mind. Many moons ago, I would have and I wouldn't have given it a second of thought. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if I've, if I progressed. I, I think I failed you, genius. I would watch it from the shore with binoculars, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, and like I said, there's always going to be someone seeing it for the first time. And it's always kind of a like, 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 listen, this is a scary horror flick. Yeah. That's the one thing I was, I, I, I hope people who go in for the first time know that it's scary, but I hope they kind of don't. And then they realize, cause they think that, cause it has the, it, first of all, it doesn't look like it's from the seventies, except for a couple of like costume changes but sure for the most part it's out it's a sheriff and a couple of people out in the sea it could be it's timeless right um but it's also genuinely terrifying there's moments we i've seen it dozens and dozens of times but there's the head that oh, comes yeah. out from the from the ocean gets me every fucking time and famously he actually reshot that scene in his pool because the initial the initial cut they had it didn't get the scream he wanted and that's the other thing. There is so much legacy behind the making of this movie because, as it turns out, it was only supposed to go for, like, I believe, two months, mm-hmm. and it stretched out to seven months. They were famously over budget. Uh, the crew was disgruntled. Uh, Robert Shaw apparently antagonized 
Richard Dreyfus uh, on, you know, like literally when like off as soon as they stopped, you know, shooting. It shows, and it's probably have that shit when he's insulting when he's like college boy and you and your sheep shank knots. It's probably all improvised. It was probably just especially the college boy remark. Oh, oh yeah. you're too fancy. These are city hands. Been grabbing money. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have time for this working class hero crap. Everything that comes out of him. And it, it, like you said, you feel it. And I think the film is better for it. Yeah. As well. You can feel the tension. Oh, it's crazy tension there. Um, the little tidbits behind the movie. And this is the stuff that I find fascinating. And we always talk about like the interconnectivity of things, uh, the DNA of things that are in our show. But one of the stunt guys that is uh, one of the featured players in the shark cage uh, has a connection. It's Dick Morlock. That's insane. So I, admittedly, I watched both of the making of features because again, so the shape versus Jaws. Exactly the shape of water. Yeah. Ah, bravo, bravo. Is that that would be like zombie? Yeah. Oh, that would be like uh, shark versus zombie. Yeah, I guarantee you, Spielberg probably has seen Fulci. Like that's the level of fanboy Spielberg is, but he understands his audience. He realizes he can't quite go zombie versus shark yet. Right. Yet. Yet is the key word there. Um, but no, I saw this in this in the theater. And we've also recently here, obviously, within the past six months or so, have talked about how you bring a lot of baggage in to each individual screening and what, you know, a film that I've watched. And listen, I watch Jaws pretty much yearly and it always affects me a little bit differently. But the consistency, for the most part, has always just been for me a fun horror film. But here in the year of 2020, when I saw it. <laughs> The baggage I brought that day, good lord, it is if Steven Spielberg made that film in July of 2020 because of the over, the homage, just how everything played in this in the day and day and age of COVID. Yeah, which I don't know, did that play at all to you like that? Oh, I could totally see the the not wanting to close the beaches. Like, look, somebody died. Ah, but we're fine. What about you know we close the beaches for for a week? We're gonna be recovering, not recovering for a month, and it's like, yeah, but how many people are gonna die just because? It, very very prescient in in the way it is, and like the slick talking politician with his like anchor suits and shit. Uh, Murray Hamilton steals this film, but uh, there were a lot of parallels that I could not ignore, and quite honestly, it actually kind of enhanced the screening for me because it made me realize kind of the power of this movie that. As t- it is truly timeless because it played super relevant in 2020, 45 years after it was released. Because like even when they're like, no, we can't shut the beaches down. And it wasn't until somebody close to the mayor almost got attacked when he's like, that my, my kid was out on there. I, there yeah, is, let's go ahead. and Yeah, we need to close it. There's a total death calculus involved. And it's all the thing. And you hear the, the side of science being ignored. You hear him freaking out more about the graffiti that's on the billboard than the actual deaths. The I kids mean, karate chopping the uh, Which fence. is one of my favorite little things. But again, it played very powerful. And I was just like, oh, my God. I It, it was it affected the way. Again, positively, though. It yeah. didn't like go, oh, what a, like, it didn't discolor. It, it enhanced Propaganda it. bullshit. It just, it showed me how you, it's such a diverse film that you can parallel all those things and it just enhances it. Yeah, because it, there's a the, the villain is not the shark necessarily. The shark is just nature. doing what the it's shark what was it, doing. Yeah. It's the it's the people that kept the beaches open. Even yeah. to the point where like Mayor Vaughn was like, um, don't you want to go out in the water? And that family was like, uh, okay. Uh, honestly, I think genius were ultimately we're all the Kittner kid. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. <laughs> Did you know? Okay, f- first of all, 
um, again, like you're saying, how it influenced pop culture. The in Always Sunny when they have the water slide episode, mm-hmm. and they have that Kittner, the Kittner mom, like, "Where's the where's where's Alex? Where's Alex?" Perfect, perfect. Anywho, the Kittner mom. <laughs> well, that that's this film is again multiple. It's remarkable for multiple reasons. Basically, it launched the summer blockbuster. Because at that time, that's where you dumped films. Yeah. Films were not expected to make money. And just for some reason. Because everybody's outside doing fun stuff. That's back when the day when you you had you went, had to go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and just drew in a large crowd. Uh, it changed the way people marketed things. Again, here you are, a little child in the tub with your Jaws game. <laughs> yeah. So the merchandising was incredible built around that. And then, of course, um, the fact that it's just all the stories that came out behind the scenes. Um a couple things other th- that I want to make sure that we talk about. Frank Silva, the harbor master. Frank Silva, doesn't that name sound like something from like a Jerky Boys skit? Frank Silva. Right? Uh-huh. Talk a little bit more. I think Lola just <laughs> didn't do well on her bed. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, no, Frank Silva. You know who I liked? Um, there. <laughs> Again, I don't know if we can... Uh... She okay? that's okay all right frank silva no literally so lola got a new bed and it's very firm and so i thought that'd be better for her but i know initially when she hops up there her legs are still a little weak so yeah a little inside to uh, again what lola wants what lola gets truly am i not doggy enough poor thing oh little doggy Anyway, Frank Silva. I th- I immediately went jerky. Harbor boys. Master. I it was just like I was just like uh, that was I think was somewhere they they watched this movie and were just like Frank, Frank Sil- Silva Sil- sizzle chest something along the lines. Frank Silva would be like um oh gosh that creep um Terry Silva no uh <laughs> what's his name the one who did uh, Karate's Bad Boy no the Mike one who Barnes? did let me tell you about the crocodile mating call. Oh, from Alligator. Oh, Henry. Uh, yeah, Henry, Henry Silva. Silva. Henry Silva. Henry Silva and Pepe Silva. No. Um, That's an interesting Silva clan. It is. It's the Silva family. They're kind of like the Futtermans. So um, another. So I got that. That's out of the way. Again, it just kind of co- colored things differently. But there are a few things that I definitely noticed for the first time as well. Mm-hmm. And again, the different baggage that you bring. And I mentioned before, I'm now 44. So I'm a year younger technically than the film. But this is the first time, I don't know what it was, but um, uh, Elaine Gary, she was, she was kind of doing it for me. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was the mom hot thing, but it was probably my favorite line in the movie is one that was improvised. And it's her saying, do you want to get drunk and fool around? He's like, yeah. And he, yes. It, it is one of my favorite little moments. And when I watched it this time, I forgot how funny this movie is. It's extremely funny. But it's because of the characters. It's naturally funny. It's almost small time. It's almost the Joe Dante formula. Yes. You have Norman Rockwell idealism. Throw in a little bit of chaos. You have a little shark. You add a little shark tenderize in there. Well, even that opening scene when we introduce um, Chief Brody and the day-to-day interactions of everyone in Amity. And it's that one And you just follow them through. Mm-hmm. And again, I never really picked up on the karate chopping and that when you you pass that guy and you see the wood planks that have been karate chopped, like these damn kids in their karate classes, so it establishes how small town they truly are, 
and how truly out of their league they are when the shark comes to town. What if um, they open a dragonfly in in Amityville? The dragonfly. <laughs> Wait, the dragonfly in. From um, Gilmore Girls. We're going back to oh, small town Americana God. and craziness. So <laughs> they've already, Stars Hollow's already been besieged by critters and gremlins. They, so they, <laughs> all the whole town relocates to Amityville. They never thought that uh, those kind of shenanigans would follow them. You know who I liked in this movie? Like, I don't know why, but if you look for her, you'll find her. She's in every, almost at the beginning. She's the Brody's friend when they're at the beach, okay? Um, Because they're the one that they're talking about, like, hey, why don't you come over and uh, I'll give you some work or blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that's at the town council meeting. Who the guy's like, I want any questions first off? And the guy's like, yeah, I want to know. Is it going to be in cash? You check. I don't think that's funny at all. My opinion matters just as much as anybody else. It's like she's you can't help but notice her. That's the best part of this film is that he populated with these characters that take advantage of the little screen time that they have where you this is a horror podcast but that's one of the standout moments yeah that little throwaway line i also i've always liked that line and the uh the chum explanation of what's going on and all the then like these goddamn yokels and like the people the townies versus the uh out of towners you don't even know where you're going what are you doing he goes ah light throwing fireworks and shit they had dogs that basically were doing the same thing poor lola went through just a minute ago on that boat and that poor dog looked like he was scared to death because there's a precedence for the shark eating a dog which is broke my fucking heart when i saw that i felt worse when the scene when you just see the floating stick and he's like benny benny or whatever the dog's name was pip 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 pippin got and then listen. two seconds later the kidner kid gets devoured and i'm like cool but like that I, he I, shouldn't have had the dog I didn't realize that this was like co-written by Stephen King. (laughs) And that's what you forget. Let's talk about the kills of this film and how technically not only, of course, this is a killer shark movie, but could you call this like a pseudo slasher? Absolutely. Jaws is 100 percent a slasher. So So many slasher tropes are in this movie. A lot of the kills and the opening kill. Okay, this is also for some reason I never have ever picked up. The fact that Chrissy starts saying it hurts yes. in the midst of the shark attack. While she's like, it hurts. And then that, just the sound alone, terrifies me. Because, like, I've almost drowned. I know that's why I don't like to go swimming. And I know that's the sound you make. And it's and awful. It's, it's a reminder that, yes, she is being mauled underneath. And everything that we're not seeing, it's there's probably a good thing we're not seeing it right now. Yeah. And she sells it like it's nobody's business. It's that, like Jason. Yeah. Um, like, um, oh, it's, I, I would even put it on par with like the opening scene in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Just the way you get the point of view shot. You get that very sparse music. You get some excellent camera work. Like, I'm surprised this wasn't shot by Dean Cundey. Uh, it, it all leads up to what we don't see. Yeah. You don't see one bit of the shark in that opening scene. Not one. And that is one of the most scary scenes. It's the one that's iconic. I mean, it's that's it's shot. It's that's the best way to start your movie. I mean, that's how you start a film like that. Yes, exactly. With nudity and violence. Again. <laughs> Welcome to Horror 101. 1975 here. <laughs> Spielberg knew what he was doing. He is a horror genre director through and through. But that opening kill still stuns. And like I said, this was the first time hearing that it hurts it harkened me back to uh friday the 13th part four yeah the he's killing me moment mm-hmm. but anytime they vocalize what's actually ha- when you realize oh yeah they're they're dying like in creep like, show 2 when she's being eaten 
by oh, the thing. Oh, dissolving. Yeah. It's so bad. It's so bad. But those little reminders, they don't make it fun. That it's not fun to be. It's not It's not a quick death to no, be devoured not, by a shark. You're not cheering for the shark at this no. point like you would with a lot of slashers. Mm-hmm. This is the first film, of course, so it's establishing a lot of things. But we also mentioned poor Pip and Die, which is, again, you don't see a thing. All you see is a floating stick. And this is akin to like jazz, the it's the notes you don't hear. Yeah. And because obviously, again, because of all the issues they had with the shark, they had to improvise, which ultimately made the film so much stronger. The mother of invention or necessity. necessity. Yeah. <laughs> and again, if you listen to a lot or watch a lot of the behind the scenes footage, it's all the crew ever hear it is a, the shark is not working. That was basically the mantra that happened because there were so many delays, which is why they extended the shoot to some like seven months, which is unreal. I'm sure glad. I bet they're glad they did. Oh, well, I it, mean, like what we see on the screen, it's it's magical. Like you said, this is uh, one of those capital F films that yeah. we very rarely get to talk about. It took us 240 some odd episodes to finally talk about Jaws. But it's tense and scary. Like I was saying earlier, that that jump scare with the head always gets me. It's like when the it's like that thing blood test consistently. I know it's coming. I'm ready and waiting for it. And like Jaws and Slashers, it comes out of nowhere again. Because in like Slashers, one, two types. One, he came up and he was like distracting them. He was prestiging their asses. A little sleight of hand. Because he cut off the power. Slashers cut off the power before they attack, like Jason and Freddy and my, right? So sure enough, cuts up the power off and then he attacks from the other side. Then another slasher motif is like the coming from behind the right in the cage in the cage because he just disappears and like there's no way he can come around that fast and just teleport he just comes out and just comes and (laughs) attacks the thing and that's a tense the whole 20 minutes the whole last 20 minutes is just tense after tense after tense well it because it starts out as a horror film it becomes kind of a procedural it turns into an action navigation an adventure film like mutiny on the bounty and shit and then it ultimately ends up as another horror film. It's so many different films. It's Spielberg, again, he's mixing many genres in the movie. And it's kind of amazing the fact that I, this was his second film. And I'll argue that I think it's one of his best. It's, all, it's absolutely one of his best. Absolutely one of his best. It's kind of incredible. Um, Ed Gein cameo. Okay. Again, we can't bring a lot to the table that people haven't already been brought. But I think that the dish that we're going to talk about here... <laughs> Uh, Robert Shaw's Quint, obviously, he's he's the movie for a lot of people. Uh huh. He likes to go swimming with bow-legged women. <laughs> but sometimes you're only as good as the person that's backing you. <laughs> and there's an individual that's backing him in this movie. If you go back to the famous scene where he is introduced, where you have the nails on the board, he gives a great little monologue. He has a little number two behind him. And a dog. And a dog. The toady with the puppy. Mm-hmm. And he is dressed down. He he is as salty a vet as Quint is. I don't know about is this is this the taxidermist? Is this his is this his assistant? Is this like what I just is think this is maybe his just other salty homie. His deckhand? You know, just his, uh, his Is it one of his boys? Could be. Could be one of his like one of his boys, one of his crew. When I'm like, this is me first mate, you know, and then he's just I saw him as an underling. I didn't see him on equal footing. I don't think he's no, he's no way on equal footing. OK, no so way. there's a hierarchy. No in way Quint's he's on equal club. footing. Yeah. OK. I mean, he may be his homie and he's his boy, but he's not. No, he's still a toady and lackey. I mean, like, is he going to dive in the water after him if he is, if he goes over? Oh, yeah. I okay. mean, there's okay, definitely okay. There's, well, the first of the, they're, they're all cracking jokes and and they, they apparently they like have the same 
they not necessarily live together, but like they're always around. Uh, they, when they go to when they go to Quint's boiling palace, right? To when he's making the taxidermy skulls and or the the thing, he's I, there. I'd like to think that he's making just various shark broth, and then you know it becomes like an exotic item potentially right? that he actually sells then to the Dragonfly Inn. He no, he learned those taxidermy and um, bone techniques from his crony Ed Gein. Okay. He does have kind of an Ed Gein look to Tell him. Tell me he doesn't look like Ed Gein with the leather hat and the and the he, whole he, like like looks, salt of the earthy. He, he looks worn. Yeah. I mean he Like and, a worn Ed Gein. And there's not a word about him. And I actually kind of scoured the internet looking for anyone talking about him because I've noticed him for quite some time, but it was again on big, and I was in theater one at Screenland Armor and I was up in the front. So he just popped even more off the screen and I'm like who is this man? And he's like cracking little mumbly jokes to Quinn. Like, do you think is he? Oh, is, he, is he the flavor flave to a uh, Quince Chuck D? I think so. He's he's just his little crony. He's just Scott Farkas. He's just like, it's so weird. It could go so many different ways. I never saw him on equal footing, though. No, I, he's I, not on equal footing. He's he's an he's an underling. Ed, Ed Gaines an underling. Quince the mastermind. Quince the head of the Sawyer clan. He's well, chop top. Also within the, the making of documentary, Spielberg mentions the Texas Chainsaw Massacre several times. So it I, might be Ed Gein. It might be Ed Gein. Extension of the Sawyer family, potentially. I don't know. But it just goes. <laughs> they, instead of chili, come on and make chowder. We're going to have chowder. The, yeah, they're not throwing chum. It's it's their their chum attracts sharks so well. I don't know what it is. Shark will hunt. The, it's the secrets in the meat, my friend. The sauce makes the dish. As it always does. No, I'm glad that other people notice him as well. I think there's there's I think there's dozens of us. But I challenge you the next time, again, absorb everything Quinn's talking about because it's a great opening speech. He's nabbing he's chowing down on the crackers. All of his speeches are great, especially when he goes on that fifty yard stare. Oh, we'll get to the Indianapolis speech here in a second. Uh, but no, I challenge you to give the guy in the background a little love and appreciation because he gets. I can't. I don't know who he is in the credits. Ted Gein. Ted Gein. <laughs> well, this is, Ted this is this is his time to shine. So Quince, number two guy. Uh, also, was he upset that he didn't go along on the boat trip out to go capture Bruce? No, I think he would have been like, "Yeah, go for it." That's not. Do you think he's the genius of the group? Then maybe, maybe he just lives there to like. You know, he's he's. Maybe no, I don't think he's going of uh, the genius because I think he'll go out on the boat and enjoy. But I think like no, nah, I'm not going to go out hunting a big giant shark. You it's know, not my thing. No. Nah. Again, if he's the taxidermist, he's going to have himself a heart attack when he comes back. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. <laughs> well, and again, he's 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 just kind of an afterthought. But quite honestly, I think that's why podcasts exist so they can get a little love to that individual. Oh, another slasher trope I just remembered. Lay it on us. Um. The sh- uh, deputy puking his guts out after the crime scene. He is the new guy, mm-hmm. not an established mortician. <laughs> well, that they they're not used to this kind of stuff in Amity, yeah. and that's the thing that establishing shot really cements is the fact that they're out of their league from the get go. The fact it's pure luck for the most part that they survive at the end. Yeah, and they already don't trust him because he's not a townie. I mean, he's in, he's not an inlander. So like, well, the time that we spent invested in everyone is amazing, and that's why I think this film works so well. Um, Murray Hamilton as Mayor Vaughn is as despicable as he is. Mm-hmm. He's still such a great character, and as you mentioned before, it is his uh, the wardrobe that makes the man in this case. I don't want 
to wear one of his suits, but I respect it. I don't think I could wear that. Uh-uh. I couldn't pull that off. Uh-uh. You have to have a lot of confidence. Or hosting a game show. Isn't the same thing being a mayor? That's true. It's a lot of PR work. Survey says. <laughs> <laughs> show me a boating accident. <laughs> <laughs> and from the get-go, you see kind of the corruptibility of the town officials. Because the coroner, first thing he said, shark attack. Flips, yep, and yep, then flips like, immediately. Oh. Like I said, there's the weird death calculus that happens. And again, that whole, um, the, the the friction, as you said, between the uh, the town, the, the islanders and the outsiders. Um, that really worked for me. The Kittner kid. This was the first time I actually kind of was able to figure out what was happening. When you get that first shot, I didn't realize that it's technically the the sharp coming up and kind of grabbing him, mm-hmm. and then the flip happens, and then the next one is where you just like kind of see the top of his head gnawing, and that's when that blood splurt comes out, and then you see him going under the water. He's just gnawing down on a child in front of your very eyes. And this is the first time I realized, oh my God, that's so horrible. It is, I've never really caught all that because it's very subtle. Yeah, extremely subtle. You just know ill shit just happened. You didn't like look at the details. You're, well, you should, <laughs> we do, but like normies don't. Well, and that's the beauty of this film. And like I said, why it's been discussed so many times, why there's so much content out there to imbibe, be it written, oral, what have you. But oh my God, that, that still affects to this day because... That's something you don't see in a normal PG film. Yeah. That's something you don't see in a lot of hardcore rated R horror films. It's a taboo. Well, and it was also interesting the fact that that's the thing that actually drove people to actually do something. Because, like, the first girl got eight. And if they asked, was she uh, from here? No, she was just traveling in. Like, oh, well, bummer. And then finally, and then a couple of people were fishing... They're all, I can't talk. Damage happens, but it wasn't until a kid got chewed up. We're like, yep. okay, okay, we'll close the beach for 24 hours. 24 hours? That's not doing shit. And then when they have a shark, not the shark, but a shark, they immediately they think it's cool. They think, okay, cool. We don't need, we, we already cured everything. We didn't need to close the beaches down again. Which leads us to our next kill. And this is the one, there are two moments in this movie. Where, like you, I know they're coming, and I still instinctively bring my feet up. And the first one is the scene in the cove, where it's where the old... And uh, one of my things with the, my favorite little exchanges, where, ah, oh, the cove, that's where the old ladies go. And he's, do a favor for this old for the old man. The old man. Such a great little exchange between father and son there. Get out of the boat! It boats in the water. There shows a shark in the water. He's fine. He's in the boat. <laughs> that Looking at moment, the boat. Yeah. Get out of the boat! Her reaction throughout of this is great, but when the shark starts going in there, and even when you see a little bit of the fins, it's very subtle, but it's kind of creepy because he's almost taking his time. Yeah. He's not moving really quickly. No, again, slashery. He's just like, you know what, cool. He's doing the prestige. While they finished with the hoax with those yeah. two kids, everybody's not paying oh, attention. Oh, and those two kids that... He made me he do made it. He made me do it. Those little honorary shits. I loved that part. The, the, they shit. get up and there's guns drawn on them. It was great. They're looking like, oh, shit. No, but they just finished with those little two scamps, and then and Bruce was like, "Thank guys, and so you yeah, did like, me a solid." Might as well you di- you just dist- you distracted the guards. He's a scheming shark. He is. Oh my smart god, smart one. And so he slides in, and everybody's like, "What?" Well, and then finally, like, "Oh shit, he's there!" Because that girl, the painter, she's like, 
shark, right? And, then, and she's terrified, which is why I get why she can't build it out. Because it's a big fucking shark. I, I and would be then, terrified, too. I would be like, I'd get out of the... I'm sitting on the, across the street on the beach like, I fucking told you so. <laughs> Should have got out of the water. You know what? You know the muffin man, my friend. <laughs> but it leads to the moment where the shark knocks the guy out of the boat because he's the guy's nice. Like, hey, can I help you guys out? Hey, what's going on? And then you just see leg. It's not the leg. It's the shot where you see the shark so slowly moving underneath him. And I think it's the fact that he's moving so slow and you don't see him completely. The the water hides a little, but that's still to this day. Insta- I I move my leg up because of. What's gonna happen? You know why? Because that's underwater scurrying. Oh, it is. Oh, it. it, it to the, and when I was in theater one, I, my legs went up to my it's chest. Underwater scur- Something under you is scurrying around. And I'm not gonna lie. That's a moment I sometimes won't watch. I will close my eyes during that point. Like literally, I will not watch that point. But that's one. That's one of the all-time great kills in there. Yeah, you're gonna go scuba diving and like fucking. Again, that was another. That's another time. <laughs> another place. Truly. Um. Technically, not a lot of kills in this film. No. But the the demise of Quint. That was tense and terrifying. That's the other moment that makes my legs go up because when he starts sliding into the jaws and that mouth is just chomping just and going and back everything, and forth. Everything, yeah. And then... Unrelentlessly. The chomp that happens. <laughs> the sound design in this movie is unreal. And then he belts out that sound which is nightmare fuel because he, he sounds like he's been bitten in half. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It has been. <laughs> and then the spewing of the blood just, it's terrifying. And then actually what really got me is his lifeless body as the shark just drags him back in mm-hmm. to finish the meal. Oh, so terrifying, S- but super scary. Robert Shaw deserves a lot of credit. Obviously, of course the USS Indianapolis speech, which probably for history buffs was really nice. And probably for a lot of people was how they, learned of that little moment in history Mm -hmm. Um, should be noted that multiple people had drafts of that speech including one John Milius (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like something John Milius would talk about it's well it's really funny when he shows up on the making of you ever ever heard of the Indianapolis (laughs) sharks are entering a sea of pain here see what happens when you feed a shark in the Alps it's truly I mean he he he's he is Walter Sobchak it's really (laughs) funny especially you know when you get older John Milius going on there Uh, but that speech in and of itself it's what a lot of people it's I think Spielberg it's his favorite moment of the movie but it just shows you the power of words and how they're delivered and also it gives you that Ahab moment with him where you realize why he's obsessed with sharks and mm-hmm. sharking. And it was a terrifying because like the paint, the picture he painted with his words was awful, horrible, horrible, <laughs> awful. Because like I was just like right when he started saying, I just pictured the right. And I'm like just picturing it in my mind. And I'm like, oh, God, that's terrifying. It's, it's horrible. And the fact to know that that really happened, yep. the fact to know that all these shark attack things have really happened i mean because like great whites have gone out in the ocean and eaten people they haven't gone in little coves but they eat people in the real world absolutely there's some 25 footers out there that are bigger did you ever watch the the uh shots of them breaching the water and eating things up there kinda, love that it's again why i respect them and why i would not be out in those waters doing that Mm-mm. that's their territory right that's totally fine the only sharks i would be worried about are like Sharknado sharks or like land sharks or something. So the shark itself, I think, still works to this day. Um, a lot of credit goes to Joe Alves and his team putting together multiple sharks. And obviously, sometimes it worked. 
And the fact that they were able to get what they got out of it, I think, again, makes the film more powerful. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of the slasher motif. You yeah. only see enough Your until imagination the reveal. is so much more intense. But what we got, I think, really worked. Um, now, I think it's also the little things in this film. And one of the little things that stood out to me probably the first time I watched it because it made me laugh the way it's delivered. And to this day, it still tickles me pink when Hooper talks about it being a tiger shark and the guy goes, uh, what? Yeah, uh, what? His delivery is why I love this movie. It is the smallest thing. It is a throwaway line, but much like your character, that I don't find that funny at all. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this movie re- why I come back to it. Do you know a good place to get some rest? Yeah, you just right walk up. a little further forward. And I was like, <laughs> they're all gonna die. <laughs> I'm like Hooper had jokes. Everybody had jokes. Everybody in this was genuinely funny. Well, we talked about how funny it was. One of my favorite moments is when Brody's losing his shit on the phone and the deputies in the in the foreground outside of the window and he's just waving at him. He's like, trying hey. to and he's throwing like he's throwing the can like hey and he's like hey like no get your ass in here like it's just funny shit like that. Quint is funny. He talks smack on everyone. He talks shit like like the first time he meets Hooper. So where are you from? And he goes like I'm not dead. You done this? Nah. Then he just walks away. Farewell to thee, my fair. You know, he noticed that song whenever he was wanting to somebody who was going to die in a way or like kind of like prophesizing they were going to die because he sang the song to himself yeah. right before all the shit went down. There's a lot of ominous stuff that ultimately happens out there. And the that's one bad hat, Harry. That guy and again, seen it in theater one on the big screen. When he pops out the first time, he's mean mugging him. Yeah, he is. He comes out and he's going, He sure boofed up that one, Sheriff. That's one bad hat, Harry. Get the fuck out of here. We know about you, Sheriff. You don't like the water. He's he's smack talking. Like mm-hmm. everyone in this movie is so hostile to everyone. Like Amity is probably Especially not the best place to live in. No. Well, they're unless exclu- you're born there. Exactly. They're exclusionary. Uh, unless you have dollars to bring, you're not welcome. Actually, I don't know. The government's corrupt. Yeah, I don't do you know. Think, do, you, do you think the shark was sent there to just kind of even things out? And Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the shark was there to like quell. Like, okay, look, your, your priorities are fucked. And if you go in this water, I'm gonna uh, fucking I'm gonna do what a shark does. Uh, well, and that's how you many ways you can read into this film, and that's I think the richness of this movie, why it deserves praise, and why we were gushing over all those little things on it. Um, Ed Gein and uh, well, I wanted to make sure he got a little bit of love there. Um, now the franchise itself, and this is a movie that. Of all the things to have a franchise, Jaws did not need a franchise. This is the ultimate standalone film. Mm-hmm. You do not need to expand. I do not need to know what happens with the Brodies. I don't need a... I, I'll take another like Killer Shark film. But oh, yeah, I'll take Killer Shark movies all day long. Give me something that's not Jaws. But, but, I dig the sequels. Like, I legitimately love Jaws 2. Me too. I will stand up and defend that. Um, now, Jaws 3, and also, let's face it. That's fun. That's campy fun. There are, there's, la- uh, there could be a potential uh, subjective opinion of a lack of quality with the uh, higher you go with each sequel, and also potentially diminishing returns. Diminishing returns. But I like part three because of the camp, because of the 3D. In fact, I actually, I saw that fucker in the theater in 3D. I had it down here as a movie night for 3D, like a long time before you. I'm talking like a long time ago, and of course, uh, Jaws. The revenge. The revenge. The last time I watched it, it's probably been about 15 years. I still enjoyed the last time I watched it. I still enjoyed it. 
And I mention that because that is actually going to be our commentary track uh, for the month of September, staying true to that. But the exploration of Jaws, the film itself is great. Again, I will go to bat with the sequels. Um, and it's also its influence, again, the merchandising. But outside of that, the fact that it made money, it spawned a lot of spinoffs. Some Jaws wannabes in the sea and especially outside of the sea. Oh, yeah. How often would you hear it's Jaws on land? Yeah, Jaws in the air, or Jaws on a boat, or no, Jaws is in a it, boat. It, well, it created its own little, it is the Jaws, what Jaws, this will do to blank what Jaws, Jaws does. does to da, da, da. That's a little, another take from uh, the movie crypt there. Um, now, we are going to be exploring uh, some of these things uh, within the month here of September, including next month's, uh, next month's, next week's episode, which... I remember distinctly traumatizing me two different ways. Now, it's been probably 20 or 25 plus years since I've watched this film, and I'm curious to see if it's even the exact film I'm thinking of. Again, we're going to be watching uh, Orca Mm -hmm. from 1977 or 78, I believe. Uh, We also have then, we're going to throw in a wild card. Now, this is going to be genius choice here. Yeah. And we always like to try to vet things when it comes to the show. Um, Actually, have you seen Orca before? No. Okay, excellent. Okay, I can vet it. I always remember. Granted, it's 20 to 25-year-old vet. Now, I remember they used to play Orca and Tentacles often, and I saw Tentacles more than I saw Orca. That explains a whole fucking lot. Oh, I think we just delved into it. Wow, that just explained a whole lot. Squidly Diddly actually has some healing properties, potentially. We'll find find a balance there, genius. Uh, But then we're going to be closing out the month of September with a film that is going to be a first-timer for me and you. And if we're opening with Jaws... I think and think of no better movie to close than with Cruel Jaws. Mm-hmm. And I have recently actually... <laughs> I thought you were going to say teeth. teeth. <laughs> no, I have actually been watching a lot of Bruno Mattei films as of late. Uh, in fact, hell, Zombie 3 I watched for the first time here not too long ago, and that played oddly prescient in 2020. So I don't know what kind of baggage I'm bringing to these films, so I, I can't wait to see how they play. Um, but final thoughts here on Jaws before we close everything out. I thoroughly enjoyed jaws i think but i think it gave great whites a bad rap yeah i think it gave sharks terrible rap um like didn't like shark hunting go like sky high after that the people that produced a lot of the real shark footage ron and valerie taylor of aussies um they were all about um you know the promotion of sharks and how beautiful they were um and they actually felt bad for the bad raps that great white sharks got because and i think back in 75 we didn't have the internet so things didn't go viral right and and people couldn't well not like they're not spreading untrue right. well, things I mean, now you know, but i mean she went national she went yeah. to the, you know so that shows you again how that reach was but I think now that we live in a day, a day and age where we have more information out there, we've got 45 plus years of Jaws ripoffs, spinoffs, and education, we can come around to, yes, it is a cautionary tale, but also just be smart. Yeah. And that's, that's the main message. It's not the shark's fault. Not at all. Not at all. So until the next time we go into the ocean, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Shark's fault.